Well, you don't know that yet. Uh, so, uh, welcome to the first episode of Cutscenes, which is new, hence first. Um, it's been a weird two weeks. It's been a weird several months. Um, but to cut to the chase, I moved. Lots of things changed. Lots of rebuilding offices and such. And while the latter thing, the office, is mostly done, I went to three movies in the last two weeks. And normally that process is simple, straightforward, go to the movie, you get a couple of days to write the review. Uh, so I went and saw Elemental last Wednesday. I saw Asteroid City last Tuesday, which was way earlier than normal because Elemental came out on Friday last week. Asteroid City comes out today. And then I went and saw No Hard Feelings this Tuesday. Um, and in between the first two, uh, and the second one, I just had a weird series of mental days, things that were uncomfortable and strange. And that's part of moving and reacclimating to a new situation and all of those things that come with it. But part of that was this sinking feeling that I was growing dissatisfied with what writing reviews felt like for movies. And it's interesting because what I ended up coming to the conclusion of while thinking about this and what, where, uh, where I ended up, sorry for that little mix up there, is very similar to where I ended up in the video game space six or seven years ago, which is kind of wild um, that it took so long, but here we are. So I already said I was cutting to the chase, but... Now I'm going to cut to the chase more on this specific thing. Uh, <laughs> basically, I stopped writing regular game reviews around 2017, 2016, because of a couple of things. And those things are, I realized that I'm not going to be able to get games early in many cases. I am not going to have the time always to turn around a review after gameplay if I do get them early having kids and family responsibilities and things like that and I'm not getting paid for my reviews right so if it was my job if it was what I got paid for every couple weeks with a paycheck I would probably try to find a way to make a little more time for getting a game on Monday that comes out on Wednesday and putting 20 hours into it but as it stands that's a little ridiculous. And so those two things, right? I'm not going to get games early. I'm not always going to have time. And number three is that I know personally and of my friends that I and they go to certain places for reviews, right? If a new Star Wars game is coming out, if a new Call of Duty is coming out, odds are you're not going to be coming to me for an opinion on whether or not you should buy that. Also, I don't know how many people actually base their buying choices off of those things, even though they might say they do. So I stopped writing game reviews for that purpose. I stopped writing reviews that were like, this is how the game works. This is why the game doesn't work. This is yada, yada, yada. Um, it just feels rote and rehearsed. 
And so what I ended up doing is taking a more pointed and more emotional approach to writing about video games because video games are art. And art is made for you to connect to it. And connecting to art is something that takes time. Sometimes it's immediate, sometimes it's not. But it takes, it takes some time. It takes a specific moment. It takes a specific emotion. And sometimes those things take months for you to connect to. Sometimes you watch a movie or play a game and you have fun while you do it, but it takes a little bit to connect to it. And then like months later, you're like, oh, I get it. Or on the, upon second viewing, upon second playthrough. Sometimes that just doesn't come, right? Sometimes you play something and enjoy it, but you don't really have deep thoughts about it. And so existing in a space where there's just so much stuff out there and where I don't see myself trying extremely hard to put out something so frequently that some lifeless, soulless, emotionless algorithm latches on to my patternistic posting to put me in front of enough people. I figure build the small community that I have up, give them something that's valuable, and be proud of what you make on a more spiritual, more impactful sense than here's 1,300 words about why you should play this game. And this is the mindset I found myself falling back to with movie reviews during this weird two-week mental health struggle that I've had. And so, five minutes in, six minutes in, what I'm saying is I don't think I'm going to write short movie reviews anymore. And short is a subjective term because I've written 1,300-word movie reviews for the majority of time. And 1,300 words isn't short. Regardless, rather than spending time rushing something out and hoping that it is uh, enough information <laughs> to to get you to go to the movie theater. I know that the people that are reading the stuff that I write don't really do that. I've never heard someone go, I wasn't going to go see this until you said that. Except for maybe when I wrote my Morbius review, and that is famously my least favorite review because I was mean and negative and I got more interaction than anything ever. So, uh, gross. But now I'm going to, instead of writing something down, trying to sound quick and witty uh, in a small timeline. I'm going to record five, ten-minute podcast reviews called Cutscenes. This is the first, where I talk about the movie, what I thought about it, and whether or not you should go see it. And oftentimes that answer is going to be yes, you should go see it, because it's a movie, it's art, you should support the people making it. But doing it in audio fashion means that like someone doesn't have to sit down and pull up their phone and read something on their couch, in their car, on their lunch break. And instead, you can pop in a, an earphone, you can put it on the radio, you can play it out of your speaker on your phone when you're at home doing the dishes. And in five minutes, you'll find out, hey, I'm going to go watch this. Or hey, he liked it. Cool. Good to know. And I think it just changes the way I can approach movie writing. Because... I'll talk about it more in depth in a moment, but Asteroid City was an interesting and weird movie. Writing about way the ways that it 
has, you know, tumbled around in my brain for the last week and a half. Uh, I need more time than a week and a half. I got two kids and a third on the way. I just moved into a new house. My grandma lives with me now. I have things that need to be done. And so, like, there's a definite and clear through line building in my head, a pathway, you know, from point A to point B, C, D, Z, all the way to Z, about where I would take a piece written about Asteroid City, but I don't have that time to put out that work. I spent six months last year writing a fifteen or 16,000 word uh, article about Citizen Sleeper. That was my review of that game. But it wasn't a review. I didn't do it quickly. Plus, the game was out, and people get games early. So why would I write... <laughs> why would I write a straight-up review when on the release day of any given game, there are people who have played it and who have already had a chance to write about it? I don't have that ability. I buy things on launch day. And so here is something I've worked on for several months because I... I I found a place to attach to it. I found a way to connect to it, and I'm I'm going to do that. So, welcome to cutscenes. Five minute. I'll come. <laughs> I didn't think about this before I started recording. I just started recording because it's been that kind of two weeks. I will come up with like a fun. Welcome to cutscenes. Blah 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 blah. Little introduction, and I'm sure I'll find different music for it. But this I'm flying by the seat of my pants right now. So give me a break. We're at the ten minute mark. And at the 10-minute mark, we're going to dive into the first of three, Elemental. And, you know, we'll just figure out how it goes from there. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. And um, here we go. Elemental is a new Pixar movie, a new Disney Pixar. Are they, are they the same thing now? Aren't they? Pixar still like the does their own projects though uh elemental is the new pixar thing it's a new the new pixar joint and you know that uh it's weird <laughs> i don't have any problems with it i don't think it's a bad movie i do think maybe it's a little bit more mature uh than its audience or it's seemed targeted audience it's hard to tell who they were aiming for but you know it's got it's people made out of elements, elemental, and they're living together and learning how to be in the same spaces. You know, whatever. It's a movie, not even broadly. It's a movie acutely about immigration and diversity and uh, being a first-generation immigrant kid in a new place. You see moments of other elemental beings being a little more harsh or xenophobic towards the folks made of fire uh in the very beginning of the movie uh ember the main characters mom and dad immigrate from their home which you find out why later and the person at customs is like what are your names and they say their names in their language and he goes huh okay we're gonna go with ash and cinder like just straight up doesn't just straight up doesn't not Ash. I'm sorry, Bernie and Cinder. Just straight up doesn't uh, doesn't listen. Doesn't try to. So you know, people have watched this movie and been like, "Oh yeah, that shit happened to me." Um, here I am swearing in a kids movie review. Um, but from there, the movie is largely about these people made of fire trying to. Uh, 
make a life for themselves and their daughter were trying to, you know, inherit the family store and trying to like move up and, and, and carry on dad's legacy. And then realizing like, I don't want that for me. What does that mean? How do I disappoint my parents? And like children of immigrant parents, uh, especially, uh, like, especially the, the more studious and more restrictive and demanding parents are going to be familiar with like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to disappoint or upset my parents because ugh, I get that. And you can see that in this. What's weird about it is it just kind of feels like the story has been told before, which isn't a problem that I have normally with movies, but that being said, it, there are places where it could have really done like unique things, and most of those unique things that they did are in the design of the city, which is why I say I don't know who the audience exactly is, because the cool designs in the city are very cool, but easily missed, especially young kids. Like the funicular like train is essentially a log flume, and it, it's a metro that runs through aqueducts, and as it runs, the aqueducts pour over on the sides as like a little waterfall. It's really cool. It's really creative. It's really unique. I don't think my daughter gave a single a single ounce of attention to that while watching the movie. She was more focused on just the colors, right? Which isn't not what I just said, right? There's like me and my grandmother being like, oh, the architecture and my daughter being like look at the colors on the buildings also architecture so again the audience is a little skewed i'm not exactly sure what it's for it's one of those things i don't understand why adults do kid movie reviews i'm doing one right now i i tweeted about this earlier this week if a kid's movie is loud or pretty they're sold because kids are kind of dumb and i mean that in the most endearing way like when you pet a dog and go hi stupid kids are kind of dumb so if it's bright and loud, they're going to like it. If it's both of those things, you're going to watch it a lot at home because they're going to want to watch it. Elemental's bright. It's loud. It's silly. And I think that if you take a kid to a kid's movie expecting really anything else, then you're maybe making a mistake. So go watch it. It's a kid's movie. It'll be fun. Stop being so weird. Asteroid City is a Wes Anderson movie. That's the review. I'm just kidding. That's not the review. It could be, but that's not the review. Asteroid City is a Wes Anderson movie. The poster of the movie has like Tom Hanks' name on the top of it. Tom Hanks is in this movie. No Wes Anderson movie <laughs> has any one cast member prominently placed in it the entire time. They're ensembles. They're always been, they've always been ensembles. You got, you know, Jason Schwartzman and Bill Murray and Willem Dafoe, and at this point, Liev Schreiber's been in a couple. Um, they, they, there's a ton of people, and Edward Norton, and uh, Wright, Jeffrey Wright. Just it's, it's a ton of people. So, Asteroid Cities. Don't if you want to go see it for one person, have fun. Uh, if you want to go see it because apparently Jeff Goldblum's in it, twelve seconds. That's it. I'm that. I wish that was a joke. 
But I loved French Dispatch, and I'm a latecomer to the Wes Anderson school of filmmaking. Uh, French Dispatch is the first one that I've seen all the way through, uh, and I've seen it many times. I really, really liked French Dispatch. But Astro- French Dispatch had this deep reverence for its subject, and its subject, to me, pretty easy to pick up as being those weird cult following, which might sound derogatory and I don't intend it to, but this the weird off-the-shelf magazine, eclectic group of people that, like, read The New Yorker. French Dispatch is a love letter to The New Yorker. You can see as much in the end credits when there are covers that are reminiscent of the covers done for The New Yorker. There are several different stories in it that are by different people that seem a little bit disjointed, but it's all it's all in reference and it's all in an homage to, you know, the, the the editor of the magazine, the person that fights for his writers or fights for her writers and makes sure that stories don't get cut, right? In the beginning of the movie, Bill Murray's character is heard saying, do your best to make it sound like you meant to write it that way. That's a good editing advice first. Second... I get it. This movie's about this thing. Asteroid City is one of those movies where it's hard to figure out its meaning. Literally, when the movie ended, someone behind me went, what? Uh, And I didn't blame them for that. But the most interesting thing to me, and why I will write about this more in the future, is that Asteroid City is hard to nail down a point, but that feels like it's on purpose because I think the movie largely is about how hard we try to find the point of everything. Why? Why did this happen? What does it mean? And the movie is super content with making you try to figure that out and then in the last act being like, what if the answer to why and what is nothing? And it's not one of those movies that's like, oh, at the end of the movie, the character wakes up and the, the whole thing you just watched was a dream. That feels like an abuse of your time, right? It feels like, oh, I just watched all this stuff and got super involved, and then at the end, you're just like, but it meant nothing. I don't think that's what Asteroid City does. What Asteroid City does is a little more adept, a little more uh, precise. What it's doing is the main character is on his way to his father-in-law's to drop the kids off for an extended period of time or a little period of time, whatever, because his wife has died. This isn't a spoiler. It's like the first three minutes. So what you end up watching is a guy trying to deal with what it means to be on his own after his wife has died, but whose car breaks down in this weird eclectic asteroid city. And like this asteroid city is is a place that was impacted by an asteroid. And like the whole time people who have lived there, who have lived there have been like, what does it mean? What does it mean to us? How do we make it mean something? And Throughout the movie, characters are asking like why things have happened in their lives. And maybe not directly, but sometimes directly to the camera. And when the movie introduces a strange happening and then buttons up that strange happening near the end, essentially it answers the question of why with what if the reason why is kind of stupid and you have to make the meaning yourself. And while that happens you also realize that while everyone's been super focused on this big event, they've all had meaningful things happen in their lives. So, you know, it's a Wes Anderson movie about finding meaning that 
comes to the conclusion that sometimes finding meaning is silly because life is rarely predictable. It's fun. It's beautiful. It's confusing. It's Wes Anderson. If you're a Wes Anderson fan, you're going to go watch this anyway. So why are you listening to this? If you weren't a Wes Anderson fan, go watch French Dispatch. <laughs> I think French Dispatch is better. I think this is good, though. Maybe watch this and then watch the French Dispatch, and then you'll have a really good uptick at the end of your experience. French Dispatch is on HBO. Um, yeah. So, boom. <laughs> and then last but not least, perhaps least, No Hard Feelings. Jennifer Lawrence is back on the big screen. Oscar award-winning actress returning from, I believe, maternity leave. I can almost swear that I remember seeing like photos of her pregnant. Congratulations. Welcome to parenthood. Good luck. It sucks. It's also amazing. Uh, <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence is back on the big screen. That's good. I'm excited about that. She's a very talented actress. She's very funny. I have no problems with really anything that she's in. Uh, minus the Hunger Games should have been a lot more grim, but you know, whatever. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence. It's a it's a Gene uh, Stepnitsky movie. For those of you who don't know, Gene Stepnitsky, because you're not looking at your phone, can't look things up. Uh, he he produced like sixty ish episodes of The Office. Uh, he did. Uh, he wrote Year One. Wrote Good Boys. Uh, does funny stuff. Generally, sometimes funny stuff doesn't land. How in the world could you not <laughs> be worried about whether or not your funny stuff lands? Humor is so subjective. But No Hard Feelings is basically, oh man, it feels like love can't, love don't cost a thing, which I think is the black version of Can't Buy Me a Love. Uh, you know, the movie where like a nerd gets approached by a hot girl. And because the hot girl was challenged to make the nerd come out of his shell. Except this is like Matt Broderick doing his best. I'm Ferris Bueller, but retired. But my kid is also Ferris Bueller, but socially awkward. Matt Broderick and his wife put a Craigslist ad out to, you know, somebody in their mid to low 20s date our son, break him out of his shell, and you get a car. And of course, Jennifer Lawrence's character has just recently had her car repoed because they live in Montauk and rich people are moving up there and everyone's taxes are going up and she doesn't want to lose her house. So she's like, I'm going to go date this kid. Cool. Fine. I've seen this before. And those movies are, are framed around like trying really hard to date the kid and then oops, they actually fall in love. And then oops, the target finds out that this was a setup and that people were setting this up so that he would stop being a nerd or a dork or socially awkward or whatever. And that causes fallout. And then there's always the line, was this, was any of it ever real? Um, that's in this movie. <laughs> and then at the end you have a resolution and often that means that everything works out and they love each other for real. And little did you know that you were actually setting up soulmates or whatever. Um, I don't think that No Hard Feelings is bad. I don't think it particularly, I don't think it works particularly well because notably there's like a 10 year age difference between the characters. And I don't mean the actors like Maddie, 
Jennifer Lawrence's character is like 32. And Percy, Andrew Barth Feldman's character, which good job. Welcome to making big, big, big size movies. Uh, uh, Andy. <laughs> uh, he's 19. So like, there's no weird uh, illegal things happening, but like a 19 year old and a 32 year old, at some point in the movie, you will go, I hope this doesn't work out. Because if it does, that would be weirder. I don't know why. Because it's not, you know, if he was 25 and she was 37, no one would, no one, I don't think I would say shit. But this kid just graduated high school and he's going to fucking Princeton or something. He'll, he'll figure it out. Um, but the, what, the, the, what the movie does uniquely is that at the, by the end of it, the way it resolves itself actually feels really good but it also feels like what should have happened in the beginning and for some reason wasn't what happened and that might be in itself in and of itself the reason the 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 plot goes the way it goes because like you realize after doing all of the wrong things you should have been doing this thing that's fine i just uh i think that it's a movie that maybe is worth uh, seeing on Netflix or ugh, that's gross. I don't mean that. Rent it though. You know what I mean? Don't go first. You don't have to go the first weekend. Comedies in theaters are so weird because so few comedies demand big screens. Jennifer Lawrence is back on screen. That's encouraging. That's great. She's very funny and can definitely carry a movie that has its funny moments and has its low moments. Outside of that though, I... I just feel kind of middle on it. I feel kind of meh. I'm not going to say mid and, and mean it. I'm, I'll just joke about it. It's it's a pretty mediocre movie to me, and which is funny because like I see trailers now and people are like, it's 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 it's, uh, it's outrageous and incredible. Eh, it's fine, but also like if you are 19 through 35 and going on a date. And you want to take your date to the movies. This would be a really good movie for that. I'm 31 and have two kids. <laughs> was not on a date. I went with Sarge, one of the people I host the Nerdy Bits show with. And we laughed, but we were also like, it's fine. So if you're young, dumb, and full of <laughs> dog, You know what, Teddy? Shut up. Yeah, see, he interrupted that joke. That's very funny. He was like, shut up. If you're young and, and going on a date, go see this movie. It's, it'll be great. You'll enjoy it. So there you have it. Three movie reviews in 27 minutes. You know, in the future, this will be one movie at a time. Today, it's three because the last two weeks have been weird, and that's just how things go sometimes. Um, but yeah, if you like listening to people talk about movies, instead of having to watch all of it, let me know. Um, I don't think I'm going back to writing them. So if you don't like it, let me know still, but I'm not going to change it. <laughs> if you do like it, that would be nice to hear. And uh, yeah, I'll catch you next time I go see something. Because now I'm actually excited to go back and watch a movie at the theater for a review purpose because I can talk about it. Huzzah, I did it. If you want to follow me anywhere, uh, you can go on Twitter or Facebook. Nope, not that. Twitter, Instagram. Xbox at Lubwub, L-U-B-W-U-B. You can follow the website at nerdybits.com or on social media at nerdy underscore bits. And uh, yeah, we get our music from Monster Cat. 
and just check us out hang out and uh, i'll catch you guys next time thanks y'all take it easy